0: Good afternoon, everybody. Happy Tuesday and welcome into to another episode of Great Quarter Gals. This is the show where we highlight amazing women doing amazing things here in the freight and logistics industry. And I'm your host, Keely Nix. With me, as always, my partner in crime, the number one, the only Grace Sharkey. Grace, we've got another good show and we've got a lot of interesting stuff to talk, out, talk about today. But of course, the talk of the town, the hurricane headed towards the Florida Peninsula.
1: Yes, a big one, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And and first of all, I do want to say, Kaylee, congratulations to you. You have been an excellent meteorologist this week as well. People don't know this. Uh, Kaylee is a meteorologist. She's full of talents, and that's another one. And I do want to say to you, Kaylee, that today is actually National Morning Show Host Appreciation Day. So thank you for everything that you do on Freight Waves Now. Thank you for your leadership on that show and your overall leadership here and uh the like, creative content that we make at Freight Waves. So Congratulations to you, everyone out there watching, listening. Give her a round of
0: applause because it oh, is well-deserved. Got a, little, got a little tear, Grace. That's to so <laughs> sweet. I didn't even know that that was National Morning Show host. I didn't even know that was a thing. I'm going to have to let Anthony Smith and Michael Vincent know. But, yeah, we, we got to talk about the storm because as of the latest update from National Hurricane Center, 2 o'clock this afternoon, we actually have a bit of a pretty big update. It's taking this kind of wobble eastward which is something that's really interesting and not expected at all on our model guidance. So from a meteorologist perspective, this is kind of unusual. And while it's definitely not great news, it does bring a little bit of better news for Tampa and the residents of Tampa Bay there, because an eastward wobble takes it, making landfall between Sarasota and Cape Coral now, which means that it puts Tampa Bay on that northwest side of the storm where they get a little bit less storm surge out of it. So that's as of the 2 p.m. forecast update. It's that little track to the east. And I think that this is going to be something that we keep seeing. I honestly, looking at all of the upper level air maps and all of the other now kind of short range model guidance coming in, I think we're still going to see a little bit more of an eastward wobble.
1: That's perfect. I will say I do actually have family in Cape Coral, so maybe not so much uh, for them. Go ahead and border up those uh, windows and uh, those pools. But um, it's, uh, you know, hurricane season is uh, an interesting one for freight. It keeps us on our toes. It's a Another act of God out there that uh, (laughs) will cancel contracts and will throw people on the spot market and have people looking at how they can help out through FEMA uh, and different organizations as well. So uh, I will say for everyone out there, definitely go check out our article put together by uh, Clarissa Hawes and our CEO, Craig Fuller, on advice for truckers and companies looking to work for FEMA. Uh, I have been a, a part of these situations in the past. Uh, Number one thing to watch out for and to realize is uh, government is a little bit slower to pay, especially a lot of these different programs and nonprofits that you're going to work with. So Make sure you have yourself financially strapped for the season uh, and also be prepared for what happens afterwards. If there's landfall and there's um, rebuilding that needs to be done or there's any type of uh, infrastructure that needs to be uh, rebuilt, Go make sure you start conversations with any customers that you have that are part of the same construction, construction season uh, and figure out what your days to pay are going to look like. Figure out uh, if your lines of credit are where they should be uh, and be prepared to, to be looking at possibly factoring companies and different types of financial programs to make sure you can sol- solidify that business, grow and scale with that business make sure that you have all the books in order and the lines of credit in order as well.
0: That's a really good point to bring up, Grace, and something that I don't think a lot of folks think about when they're talking hurricane preparedness or even their intentions to go down and help with hurricane aftermath and hurricane cleanup is that when you're looking down there, obviously, of course, you want to take care of yourself first. But if you've got clients that are down there and they have to deal with rebuilding infrastructure, that could be a lost stream of income for your business if you're not located in that central place. And of course, the great thing. To do is to offer some help, offer some financial assistance, but you've got to be thinking about it in kind of this multifaceted way. We talked to Mary O'Connell this morning about, from a brokerage standpoint, how, how it can be kind of tricky for especially flatbed brokers during hurricane season, because of course they're hauling relief supplies, hauling heavy equipment, et cetera, et cetera, to try and navigate around that. But from your time in kind of the brokerage space, do you have any pro tips about what to do during hurricane season to limit those effects? Maybe if you're a flatbed broker, but also take your support and give it to where it's needed.
1: Yeah, one, make sure, first of all, make sure anything you're moving that you have some type of tarps on you. You never know what's going to get denied or what's going to have issues depending on the type of weather that you're dealing with. So always protect what you can. Uh, Make sure that uh, whatever you're moving, your clients know if you're going in and out of a certain region, uh, the repercussions of what could happen, what timelines you're looking at. I've dealt with customers before that You know, we're at at the end of not only a quarter, but the end of a month. Uh, So make sure that if anyone's trying to meet deadlines that could also harm their freight, it's okay to say no to moving something or pushing it a little bit out so you don't deal with anything. But uh, yeah, I would definitely reach out to FEMA during these times, start getting set up. It is a lengthy process. I'm really happy that Craig put a lot of this information out there because it, it takes time. If you don't do it properly, your days to pay could go well over well over 120 days. Uh, just like working sometimes with FMCSA and, and getting your own authority, etc., can be lengthy. This is uh, could be double that time as well. So a lot of companies make sure you're, you've got uh, a good relationship with either other factoring company, um, some kind of group, maybe like even try to pay something along those lines um, so that you can make sure your uh, cash flow stays positive, especially for carriers, right, who are already experiencing cash flow issues. You'd hate to get yourself Uh, stuck into a month's worth of work and find out that during the holiday season, you're not going to get paid until what could possibly be the end of spring. So Mm -hmm. just be prepared and be knowledgeable and make sure you're just uh, communication is key during these times. Um, And you just want to make sure, even though you are doing good and you are helping companies um, during this time through FEMA or through different organizations Uh, you also want to make sure that your company stays positive uh, throughout those times as well.
0: Absolutely, Grace. Great advice there. And of course, we're going to keep covering Ian as it moves towards the Florida Peninsula. It looks to make landfall late tomorrow night, early Thursday morning. You can find that coverage complete up on FreightWaves.com. We've got it pinned to the top of the webpage right now. Grace, let's go ahead and welcome in our guest for today, kind of quickly switching gears. We've got Madeline Dosh with us from where to go And where to go is a company that is awesome. I've talked to their CEO a ton on at your doorstep. And they're really one of those leaders in this supply chain technology space. And Madeline there is one of their lead data and software engineers. And Madeline, first off, thank you for coming on the show. Second off, it is awesome to hear your story and to know that you've kind of worked your way from the bottom up and where to go. So thank you for joining us and tell us a little bit about your journey through the company.
2: Hi, thank you so much for having me here. Um, like you said, my name is Madeline Deech. I'm the Director of Engineering here at where to go um, And just a little bit about where to go uh, It's a UPS company that was founded in 2018. Um, and it just offers a flexible warehouse model that allows merchants to scale up or down their warehouse network um, as customer demand changes. Um, this is a model, a model that you may be familiar with and have heard of companies like Deliverer, Stored, ShipBob, and Flowspace. Um, But addition to the flexible marketplace for warehousing that we offer, we also offer technology that allows small to medium-sized businesses compete and grow. Um, This technology can help forecast demand uh, during peak season, help merchants pivot during uh, supply chain interruptions like COVID, um, and better position their inventory to lower their shipping costs.
1: That's incredible. And uh I, I love that uh you're in this space and that UPS is in this space in particular, right? Because uh we're gonna you guys are gonna be quite busy over the next couple of months, and it's good to know that you are uh deep into this warehouse space as well. I'm interested uh in your growth and your position. Uh, where has where have you been able to help develop other females employees within where to go and and how has mentorship possibly helped you get to the point in your career I mean I think this is the first time we've had someone in the engineering role actually Mm -hmm. on the show which I'm really excited (laughs) about right I think it's a space that I'd love to see more women a part of I think the uh, problem solving space and within this uh, industry is huge and I'm excited to hear if if you've been able to get into your role through mentorship and other females around you who have come from that same engineering background.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Mentorship is something that I'm very passionate about. Um, And so Where to Go offers a uh, rotational program for emerging leaders. And so I had the opportunity last year to take part in that and get to mentor a couple of different females from different departments um, within Where to Go. Uh, in addition to that, I've also been part of the DEI or Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Council at Where to Go for a couple of years now. And as part of that, I've been able to build partnerships with um, different organizations in our community. Uh, the one I've been working on this year is the Women in Technology group, and so that group um, helps educate young women um, from grade school all the way through seasoned professionals in different careers that they can explore in STEM. So. Uh, utilizing science, technology, engineering, and math, um, and pairing that with technology um, to get girls more involved in uh, STEM careers. And so as part of that partnership, we've been able to connect with young professionals in our community and just share the where to go story and, and show them what we're doing and get them excited about a career in technology.
0: We know that oftentimes for women looking to break into the STEM field, especially I feel like in the engineering side, it's classically thought of as like this good old boys club, right? And there is a lot of <laughs> systemic issue that sits and kind of limits women's growth and development in, in engineering careers specifically. We're seeing a ton of work being done to break down those barriers, really everywhere from STEM initiatives in grade school all the way up through professional societies, through student societies in college and secondary education. But I want to know personally what you've kind of seen and some of those challenges growing through your role. As I mentioned, you started at Where to Go in kind of this very entry-level role and you've had some incredible career growth through them now at the top of the engineering space. Talk to us about what you faced and if you felt those, like those challenges were, were more systemic or if they were a little bit more nuanced specific.
2: I think mine were more systemic. I think something that I've struggled with the most is having confidence. Um I think that um you know not only being uh, in the technology field where it is mostly male dominated, but supply chain as well. There's just uh more it's just more of a male generative field. Um and I think uh coming into this company, I was one of the younger people that joined the company very early on. And so not only did I have uh challenges feeling confident um being around all of these experienced people. um, But I wasn't sure. I didn't really know that much about the industry itself. And so that lack of confidence, it took me a long time to realize that I was in that room because they wanted a new perspective. They wanted innovation. They wanted creative ideas. And they needed people of all different backgrounds and educations to get the different perspectives in order to be innovative. And I think that's what really helped me overcome my insecurities was just realizing that my, my perspective mattered. And the only way I was going to learn about the industry was to ask questions. And they weren't stupid questions. Um, they were necessary questions in order to form opinions of my own and offer that perspective that they were looking for.
1: I love that you brought up the perspective, because that's the whole point of DE&I, is that you don't bring in people who might look different or come from different backgrounds than you to just think the same. You're bringing them into mm-hmm bring a fresh start and a fresh perspective um, from just a different background and how things are done and how how you were taught growing up and what you learned and the things that you've seen through life. So that's like the absolute key of DEI that people just like don't understand. And so thank you for, for bringing that concept up. And uh, for you, especially you said that you're learning more about the industry uh, and that was a part of, of really your growth and, and how you said your perspective mattered. Uh, how did you go about uh, building up the strength to, do you feel confident in bringing up those different perspectives especially if you're you know in a room full of mostly men how did you slowly grow or get over that challenge because i think that's a huge part for, for women in particular that might be coming out of a different industry into this industry. I think that's how we're going to find more women, right? Is pulling them from other fields. So if we bring in other women, how do you, what advice would you give them to, to feel confident in speaking up and, and growing their confidence and, and uh, maybe uh, room or groups uh, speaking capabilities over time?
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, just be curious, ask questions. Um, again, there's no better way to learn than to ask questions. And I know sometimes it feels like uh, you, you're asking it and people think poorly of you because you don't understand. But I think that's just something that you can reach out to other women in the industry. Um, I've found that a lot of women in this industry are very supportive, they're very encouraging. And that where to go, I really feel like our management team um is very supportive of women leaders. Um, they've put women in leadership roles, and they've been very successful, and they're always willing to mentor and share their experiences. and that's where I've learned a lot is is just talking to other people and um, you know getting support from those around me. I want to talk a little
0: bit about kind of the partnership with where to go and UPS now and how it's evolved over the recent times in the recent years, kind of where that positions you guys as a supply chain technology company. Obviously, having a partnership with one of the largest carriers is so beneficial. It gives access to capital that would be hard to source. Sometimes it gives access to resources that you don't have and It gives us access to awesome leadership like Carol Tomei. Still hoping to get her on the show one day. But Maddie, talk to us (laughs) a little bit about kind of this partnership with UPS and the advantages, the opportunities that it affords you guys.
2: Uh, First of all, I agree. Carol Tomei is such an inspirational speaker. Her energy is infectious. um, And I love having her as a role model so close to home. Um, But I think having UPS as a partner is is very exciting because the sky's the limit, um, not just in terms of, um, like you said, the revenue and the funding that we are able to source from them, but also the ideas. There's so many resources at UPS that are at our fingertips and um, so much access to data that's uh, not readily available at other companies. And so I think with those combined, it opens the door for a lot of innovation. Um, And I know that they're excited um, to partner with us as well on different ideas coming up.
1: Love that. Uh, it, you mentioned, right, that you learn, you're learn you learning more and more about this industry as you go. What is something that you've learned that in particular has really influenced, I mean, your engineering role and, and different tasks that you've uh, worked on for Where to Go that's that helped improve the technology over time? What's something that, you know, outside of working at Where to Go, you kind of came into it and just maybe awestruck
2: by <laughs> Yeah, something that surprised me was um, we've been trying to get into more machine learning and predictive analysis. And that to me is something I did not expect in the supply chain field, just because it's a very old field um, that has established ideas already. And so the opportunity to explore data through machine learning and and look at patterns that may not have been found out before and using those patterns to help our customers grow their businesses is just very exciting to me. um, And something that isn't, isn't in the market yet. And so um, getting to work on those types of tools and ideas is is really exciting to me. So with that, we're
0: all learning something new literally every single day in supply chain. I Mm -hmm. think that there's not a day or sometimes even an hour goes by where we're not sitting here going like, dang, I didn't expect this one to happen. So with that, (laughs) (laughs) being in a leadership position, it can be kind of stressful and it can be hard to manage learning that thing every single day. But what excites you the most about being in this leadership position, especially on the technology team? And then also what are some of those biggest challenges that come with leading your team and having to deal with that information superhighway that's coming at us every single day in supply chain?
2: Yeah. One of the most challenging things I think is uh, giving my team the tools that they need um, to learn the new things. Uh, something that I feel like we don't have enough of is time. There's just so much to learn and not yeah. enough time to learn it. Um, but we found ways to you know, help each other and support each other um, to, to overcome those challenges. Um, and a lot of it's, it's new, it's greenfield, and, and we're writing documentation and trying to share that knowledge with the rest of the team to help future projects go smoother. Um, I think something that I'm really excited about in my leadership position is getting to mentor the young women that are coming into the technology field and supply chain field. Um, getting to see new faces come in and get really excited. I I'm happy that I get to share my passion about it with other women and get them excited to grow in this career as well.
1: I'm interested. Uh, so you, you've obviously incredible career already, but just like all three of us here, young women with. Big horizons, right? And uh, wondering if we were to see you five years from now, what, what are some goals that you have in this space? Do you want to stay in supply chain? Are you hoping to uh, tackle different uh, problems out there? What Where should we expect to, to see you and your growth uh, down the line?
2: Yeah, I'd love to stay in this field. There's so much unexplored territory right now that uh, I'm excited to get to be a part of. And again, with our partnership with UPS we Where to Go, the sky's the limit for what we can do. Um, so I think if, if given the opportunity, I'd like to be here for another five years. Um, and I mean, title doesn't really matter. I'm just really excited about the work that I'm doing. And so um, just getting to grow in my knowledge and my, my career here, wherever it takes me, I'm ready for the journey.
0: Grace, so I love that question. Now I'm going to kind of piggyback off of it, but taking more of a, of a technology lens at it. What do you think is the biggest opportunity for development in the freight tech space side of things? Is it that flexible warehousing? Is it autonomy and robotics? Is it kind of this API machine learning driven data analysis for uh, freight companies? What do you think?
2: I think it's a combination of all of them. Everyone's going to need warehouse space. Um, that I don't think that's going to go away. Um, so I think our core business is going to continue to grow. Um, but I also think we can supplement that with the machine learning um, applications that we're building to help our customers grow their businesses and compete with bigger stores um, like Amazon and Walmart. You know, um, We want to see all customers succeed. So um, just a combination of both, I think, is going to help the industry a lot.
1: I love that. There's no quiet quitters here. Don't let the media fool you. Okay. Uh, there's a bunch of women right here that uh, are are going to keep growing and keep changing this uh, supply chain industry. So I'm happy to hear it. And uh, I, I, I love that answer. I think there's, especially in the warehouse space, right? There's so much, we're building as fast as possible, but there's still no vacancy, right? It's like, mm-hmm. uh, it's an interesting conundrum we're in. And um, I think the biggest tool when everyone talks about working and trying to find that labor is the automation behind yeah. uh, those uh, resources too. So I'm happy to see you leading that and hoping to see you uh, see your growth in that space as well.
0: Maddie. So Thank you. we, we know that you guys partner with UPS. I'm going to give you this last question here for us. You've got to build a dream team of companies to partner with. It's yeah. you guys at where to go. It's UPS. Who's your third teammate? Who is your dream team? Who do you want to partner with for supply chain success?
2: Oh, that's a great question. Um, I don't know. I think, I think there's so many great companies out there. I think, um, it would be really cool to get partnered with maybe a, a data analytics company to help us maybe get more insights into data that we we haven't noticed before. Or get some more special specialty skills in here. Um, but I, I think, uh, I don't know where next year is going to take us. No one expected COVID to happen and that completely changed our business. So um, I think, you know, anything could happen.
1: We'll keep uh, influencing all those younger women too in STEM programs. And maybe that will happen down the line, <laughs> right? We'll see. Uh, I, I, it's true. It's uh, it's it's put, putting forward that effort, right? And mm-hmm. I think it, even small spaces, it's funny, I I just gave my niece a bunch of STEM games and, uh, books and stuff like that for her birthday. And it just takes that little bit of knowledge and that little push, I think, to, to get more women into this field. So, um, we'll watch and see exactly, uh, what data partners you guys work with. And hopefully, uh, there's another female in STEM that we can bring on the show as well.
0: Absolutely. It just takes that one little spark. Maddie, thank you for joining us today. If people want to get in touch with you guys at Where to Go, like I said, Steve Denton's been on my show at your doorstep a couple of times, but where can folks go to get connected with you, learn a little bit more? Thank you for having me. Awesome. Of course. And Grace, so before we let our viewers go this afternoon, we got to touch a little bit about what's coming up here on Freight Waves. We are, as I mentioned, I think earlier today, 34 days away from the Future of Freight Festival. <laughs> and you will be back here in Chattanooga. Everybody's going to be back here in Chattanooga. And we really have to get people getting those tickets in now. Rumor has it you're leading a fireside chatter too. I might be reprising my role walking out to Jordan Belfort on the main stage. Don't know, haven't picked my walkout song yet, but we'll see.
1: that's awesome i didn't know that Uh, yes i will be at least doing one fireside chat i know for sure i've got the radio show that we do every day on sirius xm from 5 to 7 p.m eastern time and we'll be doing that live from freight alley on tuesday and then wednesday from uh the convention center so you'll get to see that action live as well Mm -hmm. Uh, and i'm just excited to see the town i mean uh we have an event i think at the aquarium uh we have uh, events all i was looking throughout the city of every thing's going to be so uh we're going to be all over the place and uh it's about time uh this uh the city is full of a bunch of freight nerds there's nothing i would love more
0: (laughs) absolutely i've you know there's so many things going on we're going to be at the aquarium and we're going to be down on station street and we're going to be at the convention center and we're going to be visiting all of our local businesses and my favorite restaurants (laughs) and the list goes on and on and it makes me out of breath when i talk about it we're going to have axe throwing which i know that dooner and michael vincent are very very excited about So if you haven't gotten your tickets yet, head on over to live.freightwaves.com and get those in. Grace, before we get out of here for real, for real, what's on the radio show tonight?
1: Uh, today, we've got Thomas Blossom-Woods, and, and we're diving into some of the top digital freight brokers, what they're about, what they're doing to change the game. Uh, and then we got Mary O'Connell on tomorrow. We're going to talk about top brokers in our industry. Mm. So uh, later on down the line, we're di- uh, diving into cryptocurrency on Friday uh, and on Thursday, working with a, a new uh, freight tech company as well. So uh, it's a whole week of fun technology and brokerage analysis as well.
0: Awesome. Check that out this evening. 5 o'clock, drive time with Grace Sharkey. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you next week at 3. One, two,
2: three.